Hello, my friends. My name is Yaro, and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. This is the fifth time I'm trying to uh, record this intro because there's building work next door. But I am so excited to connect with you, and I'm also excited to share the first interview episode of the year with the wonderful Emma Freeman. Emma is such an inspiring artist and. We talked a lot about how the pandemic has changed her practice and her life. She's been really generous in telling the truth of, you know, how she experienced things. And I just so appreciate those kinds of reflections. They mean a lot to me. They help me grab myself in time and space and think about what I want to do next and what's important to me. So I'm really grateful. Before I let you listen, a few updates from me. I am... Well, that's really the main thing I'm doing in this space this year is to nurture and facilitate and host the Patreon community. We've had two compass sessions this year so far, and another one is coming up that you're welcome to join. Um, there are sliding scales options, and yeah, it's a really beautiful way, I think, to deepen your creative practice in, in community and with support from other people. We have a space for Mighty Networks, and then we have two creative space sessions a month, the first Saturday and the third Sunday. And so if you are yearning to be more creative in your life, but you need that space to drop in, um, you're welcome. This is for you. And there's also a bunch of recordings. Um, there are the ritual kits from the Magic of Embodiment program that I used to run, and you can explore that in your own time. Otherwise, I am going to spend a month in the Highlands from February to March because I'm going to be in between homes. I'm moving to a ground floor flat to meet my change needs after the accident. And I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not going to take a ton of work, but I'm going to take um, some textiles, some yarn to make things with and some embroidery floss and... I think I'm going to do a lot of hand sewing and I'm really excited to share that with you when the time comes. And also I wanted to spend some time with sheep. Honestly, it's been, it's been a winter and is, yeah, that's just how I see spring unfolding for me is being with sheep basically. So yeah, that's all my updates. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope that you'll enjoy this episode as much as I did. Hi everyone. Gosh, I, I really am so excited to speak to Emma Freeman. We have done an interview and I can't even remember exactly when that was yet, but it was in a different time at a different point in the pandemic. And so much has happened since then. I love Emma's work so much. I've taken classes with her, had a mentoring session with her, and it's just been really beautiful to see the unfolding of her work and ideas and her practice. I love the simplicity that she shares, but also the depth and ferocity and playfulness. She has a podcast as well, which I just cannot recommend highly enough. It's called Reflections from My Art Table. And I am always really excited when a new episode pops up on my feet. And yeah, I'm just really excited to speak to Emma today about creative resilience, I guess, and creative practice in strange times, <laughs> because, um, yeah, I consider her to be, I was going to say an expert, that's such a weird word in a way, but I just know that Emma, Emma, Emma knows things, you know, <laughs> so Emma, thank you so much for knowing things and being here and sharing some of them with us. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, it's great. <laughs> 
So I'm going to begin really casually by asking you what, what your creative nature is currently and um, yeah, just tell us anything that comes up. Mm, I love that question. It's beautiful. Um, well, I've right now I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm in a space of just kind of letting things unfold slowly um, in front of me. And I, it feels very soft and I'm working with soft materials. I'm working with making these fabric meditation books and contemplation cloths that are slow stitched. Um, and I'm also, uh, um, I feel like a lot of what is happening is I'm just like trying to deeply listen to what wants to come through and then following that. So that's emerging through poetry and connecting with nature and doing these weavings and just kind of letting things, um, it just feels kind of soft, I guess is the word that comes to mind. And I feel like I used to have much more of a, uh, like a tight, frantic chasing, like I need to find my creative identity, I need to find my creative voice, who am I as an artist, that kind of thing, I used to chase it. And now I feel like I'm listening for more of like, how I'm connected to what's around me. So it's less about just me as an artist, as an individual, and more about like, how, how are we, how are, is this all connected? And let's play with that creatively. That's what comes to mind. Mm. Oh gosh, Emma, I love that so much. My whole body, when you shared about it being not so much about you or, or me or us or whatever, you know, and there was this sense of permission and relaxation. I was like, oh yeah, like, sure I'm special you are very special too <laughs> you know but it's so nice to remember our place in the world and being just one person in this time amongst many other people just listening and responding and doing the best we can rather than it being this whole big complicated production about who am I and what does it look like on Instagram <laughs> and that kind of stuff yes <laughs> thank totally. you totally <laughs> um so I would love to hear a little bit more about how you came to do the work that you're doing today because you've been in many different fields and careers and explorations and it feels like you've really come home to yourself in the pandemic and I would love to hear <clears throat> how this time has changed your work and your your life. Mm. So deeply. Um, so I, before the pandemic, I was running a, a retail shop in a community art space, and um, I was mixing together a lot of different things. So I was curating, I was going to thrift stores and finding beautiful things and reselling them. And then I was um, sharing my art on the walls and then curating other people's art and then teaching classes. It was like a lot of stuff. And on the surface, it sounded like, and I thought when I got into it, like, oh, this could be perfect in quotes, because it kind of gives me the space to play with all these different things I'm interested in. But what ended up happening was that I felt totally burned out. And like, I was stretching myself way too thin, doing way too many things and um, constantly stressed about money. And, but I was just kind of in this pace of like, okay, just focus on today 
and then tomorrow, but not in a like calm, soothing way, more in like an anxious, frantic way. So that was kind of my rhythm for two years. And then the pandemic hit and I couldn't afford to pay the rent and like life just kind of exploded. So long story short, I ended up closing down my business and then I got divorced two weeks later and then moved from where I was living, moved out of the house, said goodbye to pets, moved back in with my parents, left a city for a rural area. So all this life stuff happened all at once. And I was in this really deep state of grief and overwhelm and shock. And I started making art at this little table in my bedroom that looks out on trees in the sky. And I had no idea what was going to happen. I couldn't think, I felt like I couldn't think of anything beyond I don't know like my sense of time was so everything was just in that deep tunnel of grief and then you know having everything I would like walk through the house and my parents will watch the news a lot so that um the turmoil of all of that would like come into the air that I was breathing and I would feel again like oh I need to go somewhere with this. So I kept sitting down at my table and I just slowly started working with all these textiles that I had and slowly started stitching really for the first time exploring that language. And then poetry started to emerge for the first time. And I was reading and feeling really drawn to Zen Buddhism. And I started reading and listening to all kinds of things in that world and just kept finding my way. And and suddenly, you know, I found like, oh, this, this work has emerged without like forcing it. And um, so it's been a really healing, meditative, soothing time. And I feel like it's really cleared so much out of me that I didn't even know needed to clear. Yes, me too. slightly different stories but similar experiences of being in the tunnel of grief and finding new things emerge and change life changing so rapidly and profoundly but at the same time the stillness of just sitting down at the table and just listening and trying and yeah so that's beautiful thank you for sharing um you touched a little bit on poetry already, and I would love to hear more about how that's emerging. I know there's a lot of people out there listening who are like, I want to be a poet, but where do I begin? <laughs> and so how do you help poetry emerge, and how is it a healing practice for you? Mm, thank you for asking that. It's This is the first time that I'm... Uh, really like talking about it more in depth out of it's really fun to talk about so um i i found at the beginning of the pandemic that i was drawn to i just kind of stumbled upon new poets to me i've always loved mary oliver because she has such a deep connection to nature and over the years i would read a poem of hers here and there and feel connection but i've up until the pandemic, I really didn't have a deep connection with poetry. But then I started to find, I learned about John O'Donohue, who was an Irish poet, spiritual poet, and heard some interviews with him. And when I heard, I just started crying and had goosebumps all over my body. And I was like, what? I just felt drawn to his words and 
Um, so I started reading more. I can feel this one. Just started reading more of his work. And then this other um, Irish poet, Padraig Otuma, I also heard through the On Being podcast. And those two poets, um, their language and the way just there, there was something that was speaking to me. So I just kept absorbing what they were doing. And then at one point I was in the shower and I heard a fra like a fragment of a poem. I sensed that it was a poem. I was like, holy shit, that's a poem. That's a poem. Like it came from somewhere. The way that I've heard other people describe, but I'd never experienced before. And I got out, like I got out of the shower in my towel and like ran into my room real quick and wrote it down in my journal. And I was mesmerized by that. I was like, whoa, that was wild. And because um, I haven't also like, I haven't studied poetry. I haven't tried to write it like academically at all. None of that. So it just, that first one showed up. And then I found um, after that happened, I just started to, and all of this is deeply interwoven into the long healing journey that I've been on for the last six years and really uncovering lots of things and like re uh, reconnecting to who I really am and um, layers, like shedding layers and layers and layers of what's inside of me. So. Um, I, I, I realized that I was starting to listen to my thoughts through meditation, but certain ones were popping out at me to be written down. Like my, the stream of thoughts would just be like moving along in its conveyor belt, like da 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 da, da. And then all of a sudden one would catch my attention and be like, like stream of consciousness. That's an example of a term. I was like, stream, stream, water, stream of consciousness. And like my mind would start playing with the imagery of it. And then I would start writing that fragment down. And then as I started writing, and this is how it happens now, I'll start writing a word or a phrase, and then it'll start moving um, and emerging. And it's all been, all the poetry that I've written has been about um, things that I'm questioning or trying to work out within myself or within the world and also um, questions I have about nature. And it's very rooted in uh, like tr quest deep questioning and trying to deep understand things more intimately. Um, so now I've, you know, I've filled like five journals and it just keeps coming. So I definitely have to make it a conscious practice. I can't do it if anyone else is around. It has to be totally clear. I have to have silence. I usually have to have the window open, some kind of natural air. Um, and then if I can like tune in and just kind of settle and start to play with a word, something starts to come through. So Wow, yeah, that's beautiful. And I relate so much to the open window. I think there's something about, especially the autumn air that I really love to come in when I'm doing anything creative and having the window shut, actually, it immediately feels completely different in here. So I think also it's interesting how maybe the pandemic has just tuned us more into our home environments and maybe in some ways, you know, despite being tragic and difficult in so many ways rooted as at home because we had nowhere else to go I don't think that I noticed the window or being open or closed as much before the pandemic for example so that's interesting and I just want to reflect back what I hear, heard you say because 
there's been so much then please correct me if I'm wrong but it sounds to me that your poetry practice is a lot about being receptive and still and and creating the right environment for yourself and there is the practicality I guess of having something to write when it comes so that you're not losing it that's something that happened to me where I maybe on a walk I didn't have something to write and just one sentence came through you know as I was kind of walking in the woods and then I got home and I forgot and that's the nature of ideas sometimes isn't it but so yeah there's the being receptive I think both emotionally and practically with your pen or however you write and then there's also a sense of surrender um to just being inspired and <coughs> and yeah I just love how you seem to be not super attached to the outcome that is really beautiful and it's so different to how we usually operate isn't it I think um I've been thinking a lot of course as we all do at the moment about climate catastrophe and how we deal with that and I think what you were saying just now to me really illustrates this interesting contrast between the real urgency that we're sitting with but also the beauty and the insight and the creative approaches that can come from pausing and slowing down and really stepping away to look at things differently because we'll have to come up with such radically creative imaginative solutions and a real willingness to change and respond that we haven't haven't gotten quite yet I think and I think that the creative process with poetry I would hope can help us with that in some way Mm, so well said yes yeah and I feel like I'm through all the turmoil going on in the world I part of what I've been really longing for is like deeper conversations about what is actually or what's happening under the surface of all of these issues and they're so complex but I feel like Um, for me, I was just getting so overwhelmed by people just yelling at each other, yelling their opinions. And I just got like, I so oversaturated by that. And I was feeling this longing for like, there has to be more to the story. So I think that question too, or that like longing has really been a big part of why poetry has been emerging because it's been like I've been writing about capitalism too, like where is it in my body and my thoughts and like trying to go in, like really examine it. Like, where are you? Where do you live in me and my memories? And can I excavate you? And things like that, rather than just like, I don't know, like reading the news and being like, well, it's all fucked. So the end, you know? (laughs) So I don't know. And I read two beautiful books that really have helped me a lot with, um, the world of poetry. One is called Saved by a Poem. So beautiful. And the other one is Writing Alone and with Others. And those two, I don't know, I'm really finding they're they're nourishing for the practice of continuing um, and really give that permission to not know what the outcome is. And in fact, that's the point. Like you can't control a poem. It's going to come to you kind of on its own. And like, we're the channels or were the interpreters or the translators, but you really can't plan it out. And there's so much freedom in that. Oh yeah, totally. And I think it's also a constructive way to work with anxiety, isn't it? I think in the work that you do and 
and how I've been thinking about it, listening to your podcast, what came to mind sometimes was this idea that we can be with real grief and have really difficult experiences. And without being navel-gazy or self-absorbed or anything like that, we can make art about it and it gives it a level of meaning that just makes everything a little bit more bearable. And that's yes. really good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we need that, right? It's just yeah. oxygen, survival. Yes, yes <laughs> totally. So you're also doing, um, I mean, you're doing so many things. Where to even begin? But one of the things you do is weaving with found objects from nature, which I really love. And I love also how you named and kind of described the different pieces that you're sharing in this little gallery that you, you created on the website, which I highly recommend people check out. I said to you earlier that I really miss being able to go to museums or galleries. And it feels so nice to go to someone's digital home and kind of come in as if you would go into the gallery so I love that and I would love to hear a little bit more about the weaving practice and what it means to you mm, thank you yeah it um it also emerged very um organically or surprisingly I had these um natural stone tiles that someone gave me when I was running that shop this guy walked in one day and was like he's super gruffy like hey do you want these styles I was like uh sure not knowing at all what I would do with them. Um, there were like a hundred of them. There were so many. And so I lugged them around with me. I ended up giving some away, but like brought some with me when I moved. And so they were just sitting around with me and I kept looking at them. I was like, what do you want to be? You want to be something. And I would play with like laying things on them, like putting stones or a feather or like some cheesecloth that I dyed. And then I would sit and look at them and then take the stuff off. And that happened for like on and off for many months. And they often just sat there, but I was so drawn to their natural, oh, everything about them was so beautiful. And then um, one day I just was looking at one of them and I thought, I wonder if I could weave on that. I'd never done weaving before. I've been drawn to weaving, but never learned it. So I was like, hmm, can I figure this out? So I just started to wrap some thread around one of these and did a super simple weave pattern with a needle and some more thread. And I just got lost in the rhythm of it. And um, when it was complete, it just felt like this, oh, so beautiful and such a beautiful conversation that just emerged. And I was like, okay. So then I kept making them on the stones. And then I thought, um, I, uh, found a little wasp nest remnant in the grass. And cause I had done the stone weaving, I thought, Oh, I wonder if I could weave on this. So I tried it and that was super delicate and really, um, uh, a, a different experience with stone tiles. Cause I had to be very careful not to like rip the, um, any parts of the hive. So that was, it felt like a more quiet conversation. Um, and then I just kept going. Like I would find, um, I find little pieces of tree bark with lichen on them often when I'm on a walk and the colors and the textures speak to me. And then I just play and see if it works. And I'm, each time I do one, it's like the poetry too. Like, I don't know if it's going to, I don't know what's going to happen. And often I will end up unraveling the thing because I'm not, it's not resonating. Um, but then when it does, it feels like magic and it feels more and more like it's a way to 
connect more deeply to nature, like the birch bark ones that I've done, um, like this little one, I ended up also writing poems about the birch trees and researching what their spiritual meaning and just kind of took me to a deeper place with them. So um, it's, I feel like in general, in my art practice, I'm less and less focused on the end product. And that's been part of excavating, trying to excavate capitalism out of me because it's um, more about these beautiful conversations and explorations. And then something tangible emerges from it. Like there's a thing, but it's not the point or it's not like the only focus. So um, yeah, it's been really beautiful. And now I'm kind of curious about trying, I just, the other day I was on a walk and I found this big piece of tree bark that has this gorgeous pattern from insects that dug around in there, but it's the biggest, it's like, you know, maybe four feet wide. So I'm going to try weaving on that and see what that feels like. So, yeah. That's amazing. I love that you pulled the bird up in particular because it was my favorite piece and what I had seen you do and everything that you say about capitalism and the outcome and thinking in those ways yeah it makes so much sense it makes me feel really sad sometimes when I have these very I don't want to say calculating thoughts you know but going into a new ad practice and thinking about how I can realistically sustain it what it costs me um, in terms of time and energy material and you know, would I ever be able to trade with that? And what does that mean? And how does it change the way I make something? And why does it feel like such a luxury to just respond to a piece of fuck? <laughs> you know, because that feels right. I think I love it. And it has a kind of romantic flavor to me that I think just shouldn't be a luxury. It just should be something that we get to do whenever we feel like it. Yes. And I feel like it's, it can have profound ripple effects, maybe that, um, like, as I teach these classes now, uh, from these practices, my hope and intention for myself and for others is that it can be not only a way to make this, have a beautiful creative conversation with something, but that it, because it's connecting me more deeply to the, to the wasps or to the birch trees or to the lichen, that that's deepening my relationship to the earth and what's around me. And then hopefully that's, that can ripple out into the other choices that I'm making to help the climate crisis, to help the earth in really beautiful, positive ways that are rooted in this, this love, this really deep heart space of connection and creativity. So it's like, uh, feels like it's kind of like creative activism with, but like kind of starting through a, really intimate quiet personal space if that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense and I love what you're saying about how we're bringing the love in because I think that is the piece that's going to make our activism our resistance and our reimagining things sustainable because it is really hard work to stay engaged and stay open and to take in what is the truth of what is happening right now you know it's, it's exhausting and I think you have to replenish yourself through connection and intimacy with things that you really love yes oh. <laughs> um you shared a few things already about your connection to nature but 
if um, anything comes to mind, I would love to hear if you have any examples of how it shows up day to day, maybe how you approach, you know, your art table or your garden or your walks or whatever you'd like to share. Hmm. Um, well, I always have pieces of nature around me so that I find on walks. So like right now on my table, I have these, the weavings that I've done, but then I also have all these feathers that I find that are in a little um, Tibetan singing bowl. And I've got other little stones and bits of tree bark that I haven't woven on. So I feel like um, more and more, I, I want the energy of nature around me um, all the time. Um, and when I'm creating, like when I come to the table to make art or to sit here and read, I find that it's like they kind of whisper when I'm sitting here. Um, if they're just gently, you know, just sitting with me, like um, they'll catch my attention in different moments or like a question will come up or I'll notice something about one of them. And it just kind of takes me into this new portal or realm um, that just becomes part of my daily experience of making art or teaching or anything um, that's been so healing and nourishing. And then where I sit, I've got the windows that face trees. So, um, and there are deer that walk by and turkeys and there's a woodchuck who lives behind our house. So I feel like I'm, uh, I'm like forming these friendships with these animals because I see them every day and I talk to them. They don't talk back to me, but I talk to them. Um, and that feels really good. And I try to, you know, I try to go on walks um, most days. And every time I do without anything in my ears, you know, just by myself, I find like it just is replenishing, you know, I mean, being, being with the trees and the air and um, I'm more and more um, I keep learning about the ways that our bodies are connected to nature, our nervous systems. And that like we have tree rings in our fingertips and that's amazing and magical and what and, um, you know, that our, like, our lungs have these root systems that look like trees, like all of these things just blow my mind and then make me feel even more deeply connected to and drawn to nature. So I feel like it's very much a part of my daily life. And when I'm detached from it, like I'm, when I'm too consumed with whatever's going on in my head, I feel depressed. I feel anxious. I feel like it's um, something's missing. And so that's kind of the practice for me to remember when I feel that like, oh, what, what do I need? You know, it's that returning the stillness and quiet, but then also connecting to nature and see what she has to say or teach. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes to all of this. You are offering so many different things. And by the way, I'm just, as you were talking, I was looking at your shop on your website and I was seeing these tiles and they're so beautiful. They're really not like tiles as you imagine tiles. <laughs> they're very cool. So yeah, super beautiful. But anyway, I'm, I'm drifting off into the tiles. <laughs> um, but you, I came to one of your classes, which I really loved. You held space so beautifully. I think it was for me exactly the right mix of instruction and inspiration but also quietly being together and having the commitment to be creative which is harder uh, <clears throat> than it sounds sometimes really showing up for the practice I think is 
easier in company sometimes and sometimes harder but it's a different it's a different thing right mm-hmm. anyway but <laughs> before I walk on to that please tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and what you're offering how people can work with you and also how you got into teaching because uh you're so good at it I'm very inspired oh thank you um maybe I'll start with how I got into teaching and then I can share what I'm offering right now um I uh I started teaching art classes maybe um six years ago because I was a professional photographer for almost 20 years and one of my former clients worked at an art center and I was still doing six years ago I was still doing freelance photo work and she asked me if I would be interested in teaching a photography class at the art center. And at that time I was right in that transitional space of wanting to do more art and kind of move away from photography. And I had started doing cyanotypes and some jewelry making. And so I asked her if instead of photography, I could teach one of those other things. And she said, yes. And I just went for it. Um, And she told me about um, these really amazing community um, art classes that they taught through the art center through libraries and community centers and senior centers and they would um they had a list of artists so they would send out an email with these pre-designed classes and then a teaching artist would sign up and they'd show up with the materials lead the class and then get paid for it um so I thought that sounded really cool so I just signed up for that and I ended up teaching a whole bunch of different things that I had no idea how to do but learned through that experience and that built my confidence up a lot and also exposed me to a lot of different mediums like Chinese brush painting and building like name collages out of cardboard with teenagers and all these different things that um it was really fun to explore the different mediums but more than that I was so energized by being in a space with other people and having being creative together and it felt like night and day compared to how where I was at with my photography, which felt like it was draining. So I had the contrast and I was like, oh, oh, I want more of this experience of being in this creative world with people. So that kind of kicked it off. And so I ended up teaching a lot that way and then um, connected with some people that I knew through community education and taught there and then just kept building. Then I ended up teaching through my own um, art space that I had. And then when the pandemic hit, I started teaching online. And when that transition happened, like a lot of people, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. The magic of art making is holding materials and sitting at a table together. And that, how is that going to translate? But it totally has. It's just a little bit of a different experience. But what I love is like with you, like someone across the world can take the class and everyone can be in their own little nest, um, but still create together. And there's a magic that happens there. So right now I'm teaching um, classes on like today, actually, I'm doing something called Sober Stitching Circle um, for the first time, which I'm excited about and a little nervous um, that I chose to get sober in January and um, I've wanted to connect with other people through art making and, and that experience. So I'm going to lead people through, we're going to just gather and um, work on whatever we're working on. It's, so I'm not guiding people through specific techniques, but we're going to share our stories and anything that comes up and 
I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm teaching um, one of my favorite classes right now is fabric meditation books. So I make books out of repurposed fabrics and do slow stitching techniques. And it's really a space to be quiet and um, work stitch by stitch. So not have a predetermined plan or pattern, just really let that mindfulness and being in the present moment guide us through um, creating these books that end up being very tactile and interesting. I love them. And everyone's approach is so different. So whenever I teach it, I'm like, ah, it's so cool to see. That's one of my favorite things is seeing, like giving people the spark or the prompt and then seeing where they go. I do not like when things look the same ever. I'm so turned off by that. Like I, that's why I don't work with patterns because I can't, I don't want to make something that someone else has made, but I want to learn the techniques and then see what magic comes. And I'm also teaching a poetry workshop in November for the first time. So we're going to gather and I'm going to share um, poems about nature and then offer prompts for writing or creating in any medium that people want to do. Um, so it could be drawing or painting or whatever. Um, and then we'll share what emerges and, um, and then repeat it with another poem. So those are some of the things that I have coming up. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. I would love to add all those links to the show notes and people can check that out as well. Emma, thank you so much for sharing about your practice. I feel creatively replenished on a rainy Wednesday afternoon and it's been so lovely to hear how you navigated these times. It's giving me hope and I'm excited for other people to listen as well. So thank you oh, so much. Thanks, Yaro. You're the best. <laughs>